0: Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at Shopify.com slash try. Go to Shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try.
1: Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of The Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome
0: your host, Dr. Paula Price.
2: We'll be joining us soon and very soon. Uh, last night in youth group, we were talking about the dunamite. What is the dunamite? Where does that even come from? And I tell you what it's the miracle worker out of first corinthians twelve twenty eight and dunamis is the Greek term that we get dunamite and it's about having mighty power, particularly in making miracles happen and I started meditating even last night and, and today on what it really takes to become mighty we don't really work that out in our salvation because a lot of what we have been taught and trained and and what we hear people say is really not about being mighty it's about being what blessed being blessed and being mighty might be two different things oh it isn't there okay and not always how we think so typically if you're mighty you might be blessed but you might be blessed and not be mighty and so really uh, doing the thought work of becoming converted because there's the conversion into your salvation redemption Jesus Christ and then there's the ongoing conversion that identifies the weak points in your soul and then you're working to strengthen those. So uh, when I was thinking today about becoming mighty so that I can become a dunamite, become a might, I was thinking about strength training. And when and anybody who has done strength training is like, oh, bless God, hallelujah. <laughs> strength training is not an overnight goal. And it's uh, ideally not a short-term goal. You have to develop a regimen a routine, they always want to tell you to see a physician first, see a doctor, so you can find out, firstly, if you are in good enough condition to jump into strength training or if you need to have a whole seasonal routine to strengthen your immune system, strengthen your muscles, maybe you have some tendon issues, oh, let's not talk about the back, chiropractic issues and the heart cardiac okay let's just see if your cardio is strong enough to actually jump into this aggressive plan because we have aggressive goals and don't we just want to get there I want to snap my fingers because my god somebody prophesied it to me in 32 seconds I want it in 90 seconds by the time I walk out of the church I want the manifestation of that word to begin to happen now <laughs> I mean, it seriously took Jesus walking on the planet to make some. He was the first one to to institute those kind of miracles as the son of God. Now, I know we're supposed to be able to do greater works than these. So what does it take to become greater works? Because we have greater works online, too. Can you see the greater works is still there? Because I'm going to recommend today some teachings for you in order to boost your Right in order to boost your strength press into becoming that dunamite that miracle worker we need a strength training program we have got to have some sort of it's not up there that we have to get that up there we have to have some sort of uh, routine and regimen where we are strengthening our spirits strengthening your emotions Woo! because you might have really big ideas and really weak emotions anything and everything makes you cry. Hurt your feelings. Can we talk about the spirit of offense? Because people who are easily offended probably wouldn't call themselves emotional. Um, I'm not emotional. You are offended every five minutes of the day. Somebody is hurting your feelings. Somebody is always ruffling your feathers. Uh, They didn't say hi to you when they walked in the door. Number one, spirit of offense is going to start right there. Your, you didn't say hi to me the way you said hi to Claudia, and so then then that she said that's right, and so <laughs> and so you must be showing favorites. Whenever you say hi to me, you wave, but when you say hi to Kamisha, you smile and wave. And see that spirit of offense has you running down categorically where you think you are being mistreated, and therefore have the grounds uh, to launch. An attack to launch a complaint against whomever. It could be your coworker, It could be the doorman at your job. It could be the mailman delivering mail wherever you live. This doesn't have to be in a church setting at all. And so your emotions are too weak for you to become a miracle worker. Everything throws you off. Or maybe you're a squirrel chaser. Where everything that runs past your face gets your attention. Oh, chasing squirrels, that's what we call it, chasing squirrels. Oh, oh, some new thing pops in your head. Boom, you're down the street on that thought. This new thing jumps up. Oh, you're down the street. You can't maintain focus long enough to work any one thing through to the point of the miraculous. Miracles take time. They can take a lot of time to produce a miracle. We're we're sitting in a miracle right now in this building, and it took just on this one deal months and a small army of people to make happen and a whole lot of resources from the spirit realm to the financial realm, hallelujah, to make it all happen. And then before that, it took years and years and years of plowing in the spirit realm and plowing in the natural and not quitting and not giving up and and not blaming God every opportunity that presented itself and a whole lot of things that we didn't do and did do in order to get here so when people meet us here for the first time it's easy to think this is how it always was oh but this time last year this is not how it was now it was nice it was nice we started packing I said to uh, Prophet Marie last night I said we started packing a year ago to move we started packing in like August and all the Packers were like yes that's uh, I'm a living witness <laughs> <laughs> hallelujah July like well, July of last year We started packing up the school. We started packing up. I could preach on this right now. The season in which you pack might not be the season in which you move. My little, here we go. It may not be it because, man, we have boxes, boxes, boxes. We packed up the office, the part of the office that we weren't using. And you know what? And those boxes sat there. I think we started packing actually before June because we had to clear that stuff out for TVTI, right? Yeah. So we started packing in the spring because my alarm clocks were going off in the spirit realm. So we started packing up in the spring because it looked like we might be able to make a move, and then we didn't. So we had to move everything that was packed for the event, make it look like it wasn't there. You want to talk about stashing like champions, all right, under tables, put on tablecloths. There's so many ways to make things look like they've disappeared, and they have not. And a lot of people come in from out of town. This is wonderful. This is great. Awesome. Amazing. Yes, yes, yes. And then resume. Okay, so we're still working the deal. Things are still happening. Looks like it's going to move forward. Then after that, we start packing up the church, but not moving. Planning, but not moving. It took, and even that was very, fairly quick in how quickly we did things and move things for that. The lease wasn't up in the school yet, so we kind of had to sit tight there, which ended up working out for our good altogether. Sometimes these delays that you want to blame the devil for are God's because he knows you're not ready or your breakthrough isn't ready for what you want. We want it to be done. This was not ready for us. So God just kind of kept us in a holding pattern called a lease. <laughs> Leases are holding patterns sometimes. Where you're just like, I'm stuck on hold because I can't move forward yet because my lease isn't up. And for many of us in life, you want to move forward on what God is telling you to do or what he's prophesied. You want to move forward now. But he's like, your lease is not up in this assignment. Your lease is not up in this station. Dr. Price taught all last year on status standing station in stature. Your lease is not yet up on where you are, and so you have to finish that out because, see, don't break a lease. I could talk about this analogy all day long, whether because you can't pay your bills or a great opportunity jumped up and you have to break your lease because it is expensive in most places. You get a fee. You get charged to get out of something early. And so people are like, well, I'll just ride it out. I'll just ride it out. So some of you are harassing God about why am I not in this next place yet, and why am I not here, and why am I not there? And he's like, because your lease is not up. Your contract is not up yet with where you are right now. There was a house that Dr. Price had seen in the, in the spirit her living in, for years and she would drive around because whenever something is that real to you and you know it you start trying to find it mm-hmm. just like this building how many of our Saints found this building before we told them it was this building that is fine and she drove around drove around drove around there's out in wacker County
3: yeah, <laughs>
2: After these messages, be right back. As we were saying, (laughs) and so she drove around in Wagner County, was out there in the country trying to find and all these kind of things. And when we connected with the uh, builders and owners of that house, she said, this is the house God had shown me X amount of years ago. However, the house wasn't built yet. It only existed in the spirit and maybe in somebody's blueprints. So sometimes you can see something so fresh. I mean, the spirit of God, you had that vision. Anybody have those visitations? It's like, whoa, you wake up from a dream. Where am I? Because it was so real. It was so real in the spirit. That's how you know everything is born in the spirit before it comes into natural form. And so we could be pushing and pressing God for something that doesn't exist yet in the natural. But he needs you to work while it is yet day. He needs you to be faithful in your assignment where you are. He needs you to not despise your days of small beginnings, to not covet somebody else's breakthrough, to not covet somebody else's home, somebody else's car, somebody else's spouse. Oh, my, can we talk about that one? Not covet all the things that you wish you had or wanted to have or maybe did have and lost and can't move forward. So if your lease isn't up where God has you, he's going to keep you right there. So I think the hardest question to ask is, what's the timing on the manifestation of prophecy? What's the timing on breakthrough? So as we're building up to become dunamites, to become miracle workers, what's the timing on that for you? And the Lord is going to test you in little things that you don't think are small miracle working tests. He might say, okay, so you want to own this big house one day. Let's see if you can purchase this small garage, like a shed for some. And so if it's overwhelming now to do the smaller things, then you're just not ready for the big things. Maybe you're not called to the big things. Everybody isn't called to be the president of a company. In fact, most people are not. Everybody is not called. So we want to, like, go big or go home. If I can't get the biggest, grandest, then it's not for me. Not at all. Not at all. Not at all. Not at all. And, and in this journey, he tests us along the way. Well, work this out and work that out. Now, for somebody else, it might be no big deal at all. They just snap their fingers because maybe they've already passed that test. But to you, it's like, I want to be like that person. I just want to be able to don't do that. Follow, follow pride. If you're following a leader who is following Christ, you're on the right track. But to know what is your assignment and what is not, not jumping rank. We know some people, oh, we know some people who do any and everything to go around protocol, to go around the chain of command, to jump straight over everybody, to get to the head, get to the top. It might be in your company. It might be in your family. It might be in a circle of friends. It might be in in a ministry setting. It can be anywhere. And they truly believe that the rules are for everybody else but them. Hmm. Probably because they've been stung by rules. I don't know. But if you are a rule breaker, then you will be hurt by the rules. (laughs) I mean, Scripture tells you that. The law is not for people who don't break the law. It's for people who do that's scripture and so sometimes you feel the weight of uh, the organization whatever that is coming down on you because you are a habitual perpetual rule breaker and then you blame the rules for why your life isn't working but you broke the rules that's why your life isn't working it's such a crazy cycle and all of that is, to, is a backwards way of saying it's not your fault it's everybody else's fault but yours Listen, you don't have to raise your hands if that's you, because we've all had to work through it in life, where you want to blame the system, and it's like, you is the system breaker, (laughs) okay? You're that kid, that person in the house, Dr. Price addressed the other week about washing the dishes and taking out the trash. Man, that can just burn you up as an adult. Why do I ask you? And so you don't want to do your house chores as an adult. You don't want to do your house chores, and then you're hot or upset when there are repercussions and you run down a whole list of reasons why you should be exempt from washing the dishes and taking out trash. And please, by all means, wipe down the counter. I can't stand. Our countertops are like that dark, brown, gray, Grant kind of thing. You can't see. You have to, like, Lean to the side, catch the angle, run your hand. I have to run my hand over it to see, is there even something? And then I just wash it for good measure because I'm like, come on already. It's just too much work. Just spray and wash. And I thought, never use that color again. It hides everything. (laughs) In In a bad way, it's the kitchen. We need to be able to look and see that it's clean or where it's not. And we have a big old island in the middle, and so it's just like, okay. <laughs> and then you wipe and wipe wiping, working your shoulder out, doing whatever. And But all of that is still to make you excellent, excellent. I remember years ago, um, not too long after I moved in with Dr. Price, you know, her standard of living is up here, not just in how she lives, but the way she lives in her home. And she is this person all the time, I promise you. So this is not some standard that you have at the church, but then when you go home, you're like, oh,
3: <laughs>
2: this is who you are when you let your hair down, huh? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you have people who they don't ever want you to come into their personal space because it's scary, yeah. or they impose one set of standards here, but you realize that's just like they only look at that as their job and not what they actually believe in. So she actually believes in excellence and standards and cleanliness and order. Who knew? So when you're a person who does not, when you just want to come home and dump things and leave leave them laying around and have a trail everywhere, that's not the house for you to visit, much less to live. And so one day in my early days living there was 10 years ago, and I'm fussing about something in my spirit, probably out of my mouth, but I was alone in the kitchen. Holy Spirit said, so why would I ever give you your own nice home if you won't take care of this one? If you don't think you should have to. If you don't think it takes all of that. And I froze. I had the broom in my hand. I was like, hmm? He said, oh, I'm never going to give you anything great. I just won't do it because I'm not going to give it to you to trash. To let somebody else, this, you know, this is this is what I do over here, but this is, what I believe over here. And so there are many times that God won't give you the breakthrough that you're pressing for and that you're believing for because you're not actually in the frame of mind or the belief system to keep that which has been entrusted to you. And I was like, ooh, and that shifted my attitude a lot. So in this journey of becoming a miracle worker, a dunamite, There are a lot of wax on, wax off lessons. Come on, if you're old enough to know the karate kid, hallelujah, all right, to know that in this season it might be a wax on, wax off. Wax on, God, why am I doing this? This makes no sense for this season of my life. You called me to be a powerful apostle. You called me to be a prophet. You called me, why am I taking out the trash? Why am I sweeping the floors? Why am I carrying somebody's bags? How come I have to do all this study? When is it my time to be out front? You're just like, oh because you have totally disregarded the entire preparation process because you think you're above it, that you're a special case, those special circumstance people. If you're a ministry, we all have special circumstance people who believe that their situation is a special circumstance that can't be helped, not even by God, and definitely not through you. And you don't get there, and you look up 10 years later, 15 years later, 20 years later, and you're still kind of where you were. And you're not really sure how, because you've been busy, but not productive. Sure. I was just having a conversation with Prophet Flatline, Prophet C.T. Johnson, and for his podcast. And, and uh, he said, you know, yes, you're right, there is a difference between being productive and being busy. And a lot of us are busy in the kingdom, busy bodies in the church. That's in scripture, talking about that. Just busy, 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 but not really productive. And so my question to you is when you assess and examine, and especially when you're challenging God and challenging his leaders or the people, your bosses, maybe your supervisors on your job and you're running down everything you do, are you being busy or are you being productive according to the standards and expectations? Oh, that. There's that again. Well, I did this and I did that. Is that what was asked of you? Is that what was required? And we have our perpetual creatives using creativity as a means to also break rank and protocol. I just have a new way. And let me tell you something. Apostles and prophets are visionaries anyway. So we really don't have to work hard to have a vision, a dream, a new way of doing an old thing about something. And if you don't like the way something is being done, you can actually create your way into rebellion. Says the assistant chief prophet in the room said this is true. (laughs) (laughs) You will use your mantle. Oh, good. I'm glad assistant chief is here. I'll just use you as an example. You'll come up to assistant chief prophet Angela and you'll say, "Uh, assistant chief, I was in prayer. Uh Now, every season leader, they start with, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. Because we don't know what that means. I was I was in prayer. You know, after that meeting last night, I, you just stirred up within me uh, some things in my spirit. And it just brought me back to my journals, into what God has shown me. Listen, I have an acting degree. I can walk this thing out all by myself. <laughs> all right? And God was showing me uh, what you were saying paying and i had a vision i had a dream and i wrote that i want to share with can i do you have time right now no uh-huh. i show enough do well when will you have time i actually don't have time for that at all uh-huh. how many times do you hem up your executive boss in your job talking about you had a vision and a dream about how you're about to change everything they just said uh-huh. and how many times do they take that meeting with you The saints feel like because you say you need to have a meeting with me that I have to actually schedule a meeting with you when you're going to tell me how you're going to change everything we just set in motion. Prophet Angela just laid down some updates uh, for the intercessors. (laughs) She's so tactful. I mean, the tact, the tact. I'm learning. I'm learning the grace of Prophet Angela, okay, because she just has a way. I don't have that way. I I don't. I don't have that way, I don't have that cadence, I don't have that tone. But she does and she does you know and it's this was a seventeen minute instructional video where she just like handled so many things I thought that's so good. Mm-hmm. When I when I grow up <laughs> in my communications, I wanna be like you, but I'm not growing up today. So as I record this video for first week to praise, it's not gonna sound like that. <laughs> And so you have people who, and and so you create your way into rebellion. You dream your way. You'll you'll use that mantle and blame God. Oh, I love the saying too. blame God for breaking rank and protocol. That's the one right there. But God showed me that we need to do this. No, God might have shown you what he's doing. Maybe an end result, maybe something like that, but he's not it there's a reason that there's protocol hierarchy, chain of command, okay fine we can use we can use uh church language but uh church, divine order <laughs> if you don't like the word chain of command, if you think that hierarchy is somehow elitist, okay, he uses divine order we talk about divine order and somehow we just think that that's invisible because the word
0: divine <laughs> is in it
2: well it's divine order prophet Angela. it's the invisible order and you know that's subject to interpretation and so this is real order where we live and i have an idea now you are uncertified uncredential i'm saying it with a smile uncertified uncredential and untried in this terrain That's nice that you came with a resume, but just like in any job, you know what your resume does? It gets you in the door, maybe. It does not guarantee equal status, standing, stature, or station in your new place. It really doesn't. It is up to the place that's bringing you on to work out how you will be utilized in that location. And you could have been to bomb.com in your last job, and this one, you're just okay. But I was the assistant to I am who I am in this organization when I go to my friends churches, you know what I am I'm a guest And because of who I am, I'm often invited to sit in the front row as a guest with no permission No instructions no, whatever, I'll, I'll, oftentimes I'll, I'll pray for people or whatnot after service if that's what they want. If not, I'm chilling, I'm happy, I'm all right. Am I sitting there thinking, oh, I'd love to do this right now in worship? Absolutely, because I'm a worship leader. Somebody's preaching, I'm like, oh, that's a revelation, I'm getting out of this. Hold on, man, let me just, but guess what I don't do? Anything. But say amen. Unless invited by the authorities in the house. It doesn't matter that I grew up with them. It doesn't matter that I've known their parents since I was four years old. It doesn't matter because it's not my house. And so in being trained for the miraculous, your self-control is tested. Your respect for authority is tested. If you're somebody who lives to go around the system and go around the rules, God will not give you unrestrained authority and power because he knows you will use it like a hammer, like Thor's hammer, okay, well, you think about the first film, he had to prove that he was worthy because he was cocky, hot-headed, arrogant. He just, oh, he just knew. And his father knew, you know nothing. And if I give this power to you right now, you will destroy everything that we have worked for generations to build up. And that's how we are. Just give me the power, Jesus. Just give me the miracles. God, just, I want to lay hands on people and push them through walls. Well, let me tell you something. If you're knocking them through a wall, we're going to need to do more than the prayer. You understand how even your exercise of prayer is hurting people. (laughs) We don't realize that we have a very abusive mentality for the power of God. We just want to show people. We want to show devils. We want to, and don't have not gone through. The education process last night with the kids no wasn't the ki- was the kids we we're talking about weapons guns was that last night with you mm-hmm. right okay talking about uh, police academy training military training you get your weapon towards the middle end like the back end of things we want to make sure before you even get into training that you are psychologically sound a lot of us right now are in the psyops training testing and sifting are you of a sound mind To be a miracle worker? We talked last night with the young folk about Elisha. Busting out some bears. Killing a whole bunch of kids for calling them bald. Bald. They were calling him names. And he takes out like 42 kids. And it was intentional. And it was on purpose. You don't just accidentally use your power to summon two bears. She bears out of the woods and and maul a whole bunch of teenagers to death So every example of power is in scripture use and misuse Every single one I remember the Lord schooling me coming up as a prophet telling me Ashley every example of Potential outcome is in scripture in Proverbs We love the Proverbs 31 woman, don't we? Yeah, because that's who we want to be. But there's the strange woman in Proverbs. She's a Proverbs woman. There's the contentious woman. And then there's the Proverbs 31 woman. There's the woman who's a constant nagging drip. I mean, there's a lot of models of womanhood that are demonstrated in the book of Proverbs. We should read them all to know if maybe we're sliding off into somebody found other than chapter 31. <laughs> right? It's like, ooh, but you're that contentious woman right now. You're being that other proverbial woman, the one that we skip, skip. You notice how, just like us, let me jump right to the end of the book and see how it ends. And that's the model we're going to be. Or you're the one with the constant nagging, drip, 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 everybody can't wait to get away from you kind of situation happening in the house. And then there's every brand of manhood in Scripture. You have the man who's the great husband. You have the abusive husband. You have Nabal, Lord have mercy. Abigail was like, man, you're about to get everybody killed in this camp with your stupid mouth. Then you have the wise king, who ultimately became the not so wise king. <laughs> Too many women, okay? And so there's every example with prophets. You have the prophets who were, Yes, Lord, send me, Lord. Who 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 will go for us? Send me, I will go. And then you have Jonah. Why am I have the one who has to go? <laughs> so you have all of the examples of apostles, prophets, and men, women, children, obey your parents. You have the ones who did obey their parents. You have the prodigal. You have the prodigal's brother who did right. So it all shows up, which is why we should study the whole word. So when we're doing our Dunamite training and training to become the Dunamites, the Dunamites, just know that training, the, the higher up you go in a seat, the longer it takes to get there. Even whenever you have expedited training tracks, you have to come in with some level of accomplishment that's measurable and comparable to what you're going after, what the organization is going after, in order for you to fast track where you are, or where you are, where you want to end up in that destination. So it's not good enough to say, I was an intercessor in the church. I came up in for 15 years before I
1: met you. That's like you were the teacher's aide in the classroom.
2: That already brand. You
1: understand. That's like you were the teacher's aide. You understand? And then you want not walk around and say you're the teacher. No, no, you aided the teacher. For two hours a week. For two hours a week. And uh, also, let me get this back to where I wanted, But not only did you aid the teacher – but you also didn't have to be in the teacher's meetings. You didn't have to do in-service. You didn't have to do in-anything. Just be in. (laughs) Okay, you might have had teacher aid training. It could have been. That could have happened. And so the issue is that because the people think of the church as one single entity, they feel like everybody – can be everything. Like we just have pick your calling, pick your calling, pick your classes, pick your office, pick your, you pick. And so we actually think that the church is the supermarket, yes, you know, that we can just run down the aisle and pick what we want. And that's been taught that way. Yes. That's been really taught like that. You have a ministry, nobody can tell you who your ministry is, but nobody can tell you who your gifts are, but the, your employer can tell you how you're going to use them.
2: Every hour of the day. So
1: your employer is going to say, it's wonderful that you can type. I didn't hire you to be a typist.
3: They will tell
1: you. Okay, and they will tell you, you signed to be A. And the reason why is because when we tested your typing.
2: Uh, (laughs) For our industry standards. You
1: know, I know you love typing, but we tested your typing. And the and tech system does not work where we need to have people all Nine fingers. You know, typing requires nine fingers. Most people, you can send an email with two. Okay? (laughs) Oh, you got four? He's got four fingers. So you can send an email with four fingers. You can do five, you know, this one over here and whatever. But a typist starts out. A typist never starts out like this. No, a typist is going to start out like this. So, uh, by the way, you laid your hands on the keys. We
3: know what we're getting. We know
1: what we're getting. getting. And we know what we're not going to get. Okay, so you are hunting sex. If I needed an email to go out and, 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 you know, three minutes, you're going to take three hours. Wait a minute. Where's that tea? I know that. Oh, 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 the tea is over here. Yes. So, when you think about it, people uh, everywhere in any institution in the planet, they have a system. They have order, and they have duties and responsibilities that require two things: capacity and capability. And and ideally, if we're really good, competency. The church celebrates incompetence.
3: Ah!
1: It loves incompetence because it thinks that that God. God's love, loves and competence. So God may love incompetence, but he uses the competence. Now, see, we don't realize that. Because when you look at the people at the top, even though they may not be as spiritual as you are or as word heavy, they may be very scripture-like as far as that goes, but they're competent. See, they're capable of maintaining their status and their position. They've earned their right even in the dark side, you know, they've earned their right to stand before God's public and represent him. You know, I spoke with someone this week, had a wonderful uh, conversation with a young man this week who said that he was called to ministry. You know, and I, I really was, since I was not in my office at that time, I was in his, I wanted to ask, how do you know? Because you can have a sympathy for God's issues and empathy for his people and not an aptitude for his service,
3: Jesus.
1: lack the capacity to be an official servant. You can tell whether or not a person is operating on empathy and sympathy by how they handle service. Mm-hmm. So he said, I was, he was called to be, you know, in ministry. And I said, oh, really, that's good. He said, yeah, well, I wanted to wait for my wife to finish college. So she's finished her, she's got her degree, and so I'm going to now um, make a decision about ministry. And I said, well, good. What is that decision? He said, well, I'm going to decide whether or not I'm just going to go to the mission field and let God use me as he wants or if I want to go and get trained. You know, when God has a special call on your life, he will see to it that you get the facts. Yes. that you get the truth. If he ignores you getting facts and truth, it's because you don't have a, a, a particularly significant call. How do I know that? Dr. Price, how can you say that? Because uh, God didn't care about Saul. King Saul, he didn't care about Saul got training or not. He didn't. He just said, oh, you got you feel calm, you feel led, go lead my people. Saul knew nothing. It took him two years to want to even go to the Capitol because God didn't think he was worth his training. Huh. So when these people say, well, I don't really need training, they're Saul. Because when you really have a call, God lets you know, I called you to be effective. I called you to be excellent. I called you to know what you're doing and not have to feel your way. Saul groped his way through his entire monarchy. He just groped because he didn't know how to be a king. He was a businessman's son. And because he was a businessman's son, he had you could see where his strengths were he had an amazing ability for the business of the kingdom he did not understand diplomacy he did not understand ambassadorship he did not understand military he did not understand anything but he could build an army he could gather people he could assign people and he could place them because that's what his business training gave him I mean you know you don't realize but Saul what, you, what Dr. what I don't even know if it was business. Yes, it was. He lost some animals. He lost inventory. Yes. And he said, when you lose your, I don't care if it's cows, horses, or your, your computer, that's your business. That's inventory. Okay? That's possessions. Those are resources. So he lost potential profit, P-R-O-F-I-T. So you have to think this differently because it won't make sense to you. That's why you don't like to read your Bible, and that's why you like to read all of them dumbed-down versions because they use words in places that, words that you understand, but that doesn't bring you up. So they drop down to where you are, but the language doesn't bring you up. So Saul, was, he was a, his father was a significant, prominent person in the area. Saul's son of Kiss, when they can call you by your name like that, you're pretty prominent. When they call all your names, you're kind of getting on the ranks of prominence. Otherwise, you're who? (laughs) You, him, her. That's it. That that girl that was, okay. And so Saul lost, God used Saul's concern because clearly his father had handed the bulk of the business over to him. So he lost those two animals. He was trying to look for, do you know where my donkeys are? Where my my donkeys? And so he had to go find them because the last thing he wants to tell his father is that I lost two pieces of income. Okay. Yeah. Why? Well, b- b- whether, they were, b- whether they were able to plow or whether they were reproducers. Either way, money was lost. Yeah. So he goes out, as Samuel, the book of Samuel tells us, he goes out to find these these donkeys or asses or whichever way we want to do it. it depends on your translation and he's looking for them and he can't find them now God actually walked them away to get him away from home
3: right.
1: to hear his destiny yeah. sometimes you can't ever answer your destiny destiny in your own land and in your hometown because your friend, your family love you too much they got too much counsel some of your family so controlling that they, they controlling God and so you realize that, yeah, I shed a I got a, did you hear the king? Okay. And so the, the point that I want you to make is God used what could be a, a catastrophe or calamity to get him into destiny because sometimes your destiny is tied to your geography. Where you live is populated with people and institutions and systems that correlate with why God put you in the planet. So Saul's destiny was to be Israel's first king. Unfortunately, he was also meant to be the, the failure of the monarchy because sometimes God has to put you with bad leadership for you to appreciate good leadership. Sometimes you have to go through wicked leadership, leaders who are selfish, selfish, self-serving, arrogant, perverted, and abusive so that when you get your David, you see, David is the good leader. These are types. The Bible operates on types. It's not dealing with the era. When, of course, we're not talking about B.C., you know, 689. We're talking about types and the, and the consistency of the human makeup and human institutions. So he tells, he gets Saul away from home. And he's got to spend the night with the prophet. Bless his heart. Bless him. him. You know, a lot of times folks don't realize that. He had to, come on, somebody, got to spend the night with the prophet. In the prophet's house with the prophet's attendants all around. And the prophet is holding his word and holding the key to his destiny. Having been in that position, see, some of y'all, y'all don't know God well enough to be with a prophet. Because, <laughs> see, y'all be like, y'all thinking we ABC because y'all see us in our underwear and our, well, our hair off. Actually, with the hair off, you know. Come on, you know, we pull that baby, we got to pull the that hair stuff. off, lashes <laughs> Pull off. them lashes off, honey. The truth wipe wipe that color off the face. You can see them pop marks and carrying off you know, your public self. Is now your ninety night oh, self, because <laughs> really? y'all see us in our ninety night self. Y'all think you know, because you think this is all about what you see and what's on the outside. But God literally yanked him from his family unit oh, yeah. to get him where he could hear God for his destiny. Oh,
3: yeah.
1: And his destiny wasn't just in any old prophet.
3: Oh. Wait a minute. Come on. You bet. Come
1: You know I know this stuff. I'll be I be doing know. this. Don't be messing with me. You're just, come on. Here. Can you expound on that though? Because we well because because if you define the prophetic as simply verbalizing, then you will never ever understand the institution and its spectrum. See, because official prophets are going to bring you the institution, the one that exists from the foundation of the world, and so. Abel, we've talked about this, Abel is the first prophet God ever had in creation, and we don't have a book of Abel. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: So where's the book of Abel? Does anybody know where the book of Abel is? If you can find it, I'll buy you lunch.
3: Mm
1: -hmm. I'm not looking for any of those pseudo, okay? Abel should, somebody should talk about Abel's life. Abel, see, let me tell you about the prophet as an institution. Mm -hmm. As an institution, the prophetic Founded creation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It literally founded civilization, which is why every time you look in scripture at prophets, they're always founding civilizations, organizations, and institutions. That's an official prophet. Now, an unofficial prophet, meaning a prophesier, that's why I separate them prophet, prophesier, a prophesier is going to give you information. They're like your phone, your television newspaper, you know, your newscasters, those that, you know, they they are uttering what someone has prophesied to them. They're giving you information that's been handed down to them. And all they have to do is voice it. They don't have to back it. They don't have to structure it. They don't have to do anything with it except verbalize it. So the church has been raised on prophesiers that they've been calling prophets.
0: So,
1: a prophes- You assume a prophesier can give you any word you need. Prophesiers give you information. I see the Lord's going to give you a car. The prophet is going to say, but let me just tell you what's going to happen along the way, this and that, and you can face that, and you're not ready for this reason, and you won't get there for that reason. That's an official prophet. An official prophet is going to bring you the soul of God. A prophesier is going to bring you the voice of God. Now, there are levels, as, of, as with anything else, you've got the elementary school, you've got the daycare teacher, just as valid as the college professor. Is that right? But they have a limited what? Scope, range, and capacity. Scope, range, and capacity. Scope, range, and capacity. And an official top prophet will tell you, yeah, no, no, he's not ready yet. He's, he's going to be good. She's going to be good. But right now, their scope is this. Right. You know, children's church, baby care, daycare, you know, preschool, kindergarten, elementary school. Because those are all the entire school structure is actually designed to give you mock, very mock, very manageable, and small segments of the society that you're living. And so when you, sit, when you deal with a master and, and a, a full prophet, they don't, think, they don't count what they say as being the only thing that validates or corroborates station in Christ. The stations are real. God has hierarchy. Now, Satan doesn't like hierarchy because, see, down here, everybody can fight. Yeah. But hierarchy, uh-huh. literally, it quenches conflict. It settles conflict. So you can say, well, I'm sorry, God talked to me, too. We didn't say God didn't talk to you. We say God doesn't use you in his institution. That's different. It's the words that God says to you that matter. Oh, wow. It's how he talks. It's what he communicates. Yeah. You all have jobs, and you can look and see what the supervisor and the CEO and the, the, the uh, president, you can look at who they talk to. And you get all, your feelings get hurt. They don't never talk to me because what's the point? They're not having social conversation. We're not hobbying here. We're not even hobnobbing here.
3: Yeah.
1: So you have to understand, you understand, or, or you can identify or begin to classify a prophet, not just a prophetic voice. See, we always have a prophetic voice that's prophesying. Now, everybody can prophesy, but not everybody can, ask, can occupy the office of the prophet. And we have made prophesying the office, which is wow. making the orations, and the function, the legislation, the institution, the execution. So you, don't have, you can say something and I have to execute it. Difference between the two. I can, you can tell, tell me that table should be over there. I said, well, good. That's announcing. Execution. Move that table in a place that is useful and effective. You understand what I'm saying? Like, you don't, I'm right now articulating what makes me different. we you, a, An officer, an official is going to see things in more than one vein. They're going to look at the entire spectrum and all of the complexity involved in God opening his mouth to this one over that one. Because God does everything by speaking. So what, what is it our task? Well, the task for us is to understand whether a person is just a speaker as a person or is a person a supervisor, a manager, an executor, an executive. So you have to know, and see, that's training. You can't get that training in a weekend because when you first start training, everything about you starting training is you proving proving you don't need the training. (laughs) (laughs) That's why you go to school. You go to school to prove you don't need it. And then school humbles you and lands you in everything you don't know and shows you how restrictive, how minimal your knowledge, your bring-in knowledge is, which is why we start at Introduction, Orientation, and then we go into Beginner and all of its stages and strands, and then we go into Intermediate and all of its stages and strands until we get to Advanced, and from Advanced we go to Specialist, and from Specialist we go to Master and from master, expert. See, we don't do that in the church. In the church, we all equal because we figure we all have a measure of the Holy Spirit. We all got the same measure. God's smart enough to know where he put his stuff. Where did he put his talents and how much he gave you? Because if a person is called to be a master, their raw talent is higher than everyone else's, and their raw capacity, meaning that they can look at that and not they can't tell you quite what's wrong because they can tell you that's not right, or something's missing, and then they study it enough to say, ah, if we did this, this, and this, and if that that, and that happened, hey, this could work, what they call high potential. And a lot of people don't have that kind of potential because they can't even see the possibility of problems and solutions, Mm. connections and correction. Problems and solutions. Connections. And what else? Correction. Most times when you first come to school, we can't correct you. You're too thin-skinned. Your feelings are hurt because your ego is on the line. Your ego. See your, if your ego is on the line, then education is impossible for you.
3: Hold yeah. on yeah. Because
1: education is supposed to make you feel stupid, look stupid, and then show you how to repair those, how to fix them. So if every time somebody doesn't give you, like you work real hard and you gave me a paper and, and you know I love doing this when they do that. Give me a paper and, and as far as you're concerned, it's an A paper. It's an A paper for a beginner. But if you're, if I'm not teaching a beginning class, your paper's a C. Or, and I don't give these or an F. Yeah, I don't, I don't. Now they do it because they have to because of the computer systems. I don't give these. Ever. I've never, if you talk to anybody who's ever been trained by me, I don't give D's. D's just means you did something. What's the point? <laughs> <laughs> I know, okay. I'm not going to give you credit for doing if it's not right. So I never give D's. Ever. I don't deal with that, and I, don't, I, I will only tolerate your mediocre if you're sick of it. If you're sick of your mediocrity, then I'll work with you. If you are still prizing it and cherishing it and protecting and defending it, I'm going to send you to somebody else. Cause I'm not wasting because I'm the top. I'm top tier. I'm not going to go down there and play with that. I've got people who do that. In my, in my field, with, in my domain, what I'm doing, I, don't, I used to. Like, I don't fight with people to help them be healed. You don't want to, if you don't have sense enough to act like you want to have a healing co-op between us, stay sick. I'm really okay with that. It took me years to get there because, see, years, Satan used a, a hyper-sympathy. Hyper compassion and hyper empathy to keep you working with people who just want to suck you dry They just want to They just want to suck you dry they want to call you all hours of the night Somebody out there needs to hear this because you need to cut off some folks. They want to call you all hours of the night Why can't I have your phone number? You are not my friend You are an assignment and I know the difference between assignments and associations and alliances and friendship you are not my friend I have a category so you're not my friend so no you're not getting my home number i don't want you don't call me at night do not some of you all you think it's you think you're pleasing god because you're so accessible to your dysfunctional members Come on. <laughs> i know it's a hitter and and yet you keep on your knees calling telling god god i'm so tired lord i don't get it these people but dr price don't no you need to get my book, now that you are a leader, <laughs> a
2: good one. A great and
1: you need to get the ABCs of Apostleship, too,
2: because
1: in the back of it, I tell you, an apostle is not going to run up and down to the hospital with you. They're going to send somebody,
3: because high powers send people. So um, But
1: you think you're, you, you really think you're pleasing God. You're worn out. And you're, and, 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 but yet in God's mind you're ineffective. But and also you cannot tell the difference between effective ministry and defective service. But that's a whole other class. So I know you thought I forgot about it. But to tell you, you think that you can discern it, what if you can, if you can't hear the the, the span and the. Bandwidth of different prophetic voices and sounds, you don't know anything about a prophet. And so some of us, you know, I mean, we got a lot of horrible books out there, cheesy classes. Not, uh-uh. No, so I don't do it because I know something about my office, and I know something about my mantle. See, true prophetic mantleship won't waste time because God doesn't. They will not. They will cut you loose. See, the beginning, when you first start out, you're just a minister, and then God may bring you up through the ranks of the pastor, but eventually you get to find out who you can help and who you can't so good.
3: So good.
1: and who is help worthy and who isn't. Yeah. So let's get back to Saul because I know you thought I forgot, but I didn't. <laughs> so Saul has a calling to be the first king of Israel, according to uh, 1 Samuel 15, because David is second Samuel. That's, it. That's how I remember. Right. And so, from ten to fifteen, you can go through it yourself. And so, but Saul is living somewhere where the power to put him in office doesn't exist. So the power to put him in office is Samuel, and he's in Ramah and Gilgal and all of that. Saul over there in Kish, but God needs him. So what does he do? He creates a situation to cause Saul to move, to, to have to leave where he would probably never leave because he's running dad's business. Right. He gets to Samuel, and he, de- he doesn't even understand how prophetic protocol goes. You can get in a lot of trouble not understanding prophetic protocol because in your mind it's not that big a deal because you have come under those churches and say we're all the same in Jesus Christ. Yeah, we are the same children. We're not the same servants. Amen. We're not the same officials. Wow. We're not the same ministers. And so Saul so so I said, I guess i got to go home. I've got to go home and admit to my dad that I, you know, I lost his animals. I mean, I don't know what to do. He has a servant. Sometimes the servant can help you get in your place or stay there. So he has a servant. And the servant says, well, there's a man of God who, you know, he speaks to everything and he runs the country and on and on and on. So maybe... We can go to him because he's the prophet. When they say man of God, that's a chief prophet. That's a high prophet. So when they use that title, they're saying you have you have risen above the ranks of the of the collective. And so he said, Well, there's a man of God. He says, Well, you know, um, Saul knows this much. You need to have something, you need to bring something to the prophets. And so he said, well, we got nothing. The servant is convinced that Saul's going to help him because God is using his servant to persuade this businessman that the answer to what he's looking for is with this man of God, is with this high prophet. Mm-hmm. And so he goes and he says, well, we don't have anything. So he starts digging around. He's, and so the servant finds something to give because when you are opening up the prophetic, it is a door. It, it is a wall. And it's a portal, and you've got to pay toll on that entree. My, my,
3: my. My
1: and so he said, "Well, we're going to take this to him because when that that high power comes, you think about—he's not just a high prophet; he's sitting in a high seat in government. That's very different. Yeah. We think, see, everything because because we make everything church and local church assembly. We can't get it right because mm. everything is church. No, you may not want to have to do it with your pastor every week, but if you're going to go and meet somebody who you want to get a job from. Back then, you had to take something because God's world runs on exchanges. If I sow spiritual, you reciprocate with material. That's how God's world works. Now, I realize that, uh, you know, the carnal world, and Satan's smart enough to tell you that you don't have to do that. I mean, he lied to people and tell them they don't have to tithe because tithing is in the Old Testament. is under Moses. The tithing is in Genesis. You t- Genesis, there was no most. Tithing is in Abraham, and all of the tithe collectors are still in his firm. So that's bad teaching, but we got a Satan will always get bad doctrine that robs the church and bankrupts God's people. He will always do it because he lived that world. He knows what tithing means in his world, that world that he was kicked out of. So he's going to talk you out, to do it, out of doing it because right. he diverted the tithes to darkness. Remember, he created the lie to, and he diverted the tides. You just can't have a realm without any economy. Why do you think they're trying to bust our economy? Paying people to stay home? Mm-hmm. Giving people money out of, out of a treasury that is already inflated? Why? The idea is to bankrupt America so that it cannot exist. Yeah. That is the strategy. If you if, if, Listen, if you impoverish a land, think Venezuela, mm-hmm. you own it. So here we are, Saul's got to take a gift. He's got to take a gift to the man of God to find out where the animals are. He's not going for destiny. He's trying to save the destiny that he has in his father's inheritance. He's not trying to get a new one. So we go on, and he goes and he meets Samuel, and he's ready to talk, because you can always tell when you're with the real prophet, they are not going to address why you came. Bitches just won't. They just won't. Don't I get, don't I get on your nerves? I, y'all, come to set, y'all set up all these meetings with me. They're all deep. And I don't talk about anything you want to talk about.
3: <laughs>
1: okay. I <laughs> no, I don't talk about anything you want to talk about. I'm going to talk about everything that you are trying to avoid duck and dodge. Yeah. Here
3: it is. <laughs>
1: How do you, because everything is about avoiding ducking and dodging. I'm so I'm, I'm going to talk about that. Saul is ready to say, I, I gave you my gifts. Where are my animals? And he said, hey, stay tonight. Have dinner with me. <laughs> Ooh, that's the one. Have dinner with me. Okay? Dr. Christ wants to have dinner. What am we going to do? <laughs> okay, well. So he goes, have dinner with me. He has, if they, if they go to dinner, and it's a banquet, and it's a banquet fit for a king. There's always a sign while you're there. So he's not saying let's go and pull some leftovers out the fridge and sit around the kitchen table, eat some cold chicken. No, no. He tells them go kill a brand new animal. Go do this. Go do that. He said because the king is coming for dinner. See, the prophet knows your future, and they see it in you, and you get all nasty and ranky and carrying on because you want to behave according to your vision of the future. He, he wanted to behave according to the businessman who lost the animals and not the one God is making the king.
3: Jesus.
1: See, because prophets are going to treat you how God sees you and how God is raising you up to do what he wants you to do. So he goes on, he has the dinner and whatever, and when you read it, Saul, um, Samuel starts the whole discussion with something that makes no sense. And Saul is like, King, what? What I came for, what? I'm, I'm, We're my animals? You, good meal. Thank you for meal. Really great meal. Great, great. Good food. Whatever. And he then prophesied. You know, when we can stop operating as children in God's divine spectrum, he begins to prophesy and he prophesied to him, he's going to be the first king of Israel. Now, he doesn't send him to school. He doesn't say wait around, go visit. that. No, no. He said, you're going to be, and, and, and when you finish, he said, when you wake up tomorrow, because they go to sleep, he wakes up, he prophesied. He said, when you leave here, he said, you're going to meet a group of prophets, my prophets, under me, coming down a hill. He said, and they're going to be prophesying, and as soon as you get among them, God's going to give you a new heart.
3: Because
1: he, see, it's the prophet that changed his heart to what he was called to be and to do. So, because... Obviously, we have to do things the way God does. So he goes, and he does obeys God, and when he goes and he turns and says, God gave him another heart. And we look at him, and we're like, yeah, God gave him a heart of compassion. No, he, gave, he took the heart of a peasant and gave him the heart of a king. He no longer saw life the same way. Oh, I'm trying to tell you. Because out of the abundance of your heart, you speak, you live, guard your heart with all diligence, God starts everything with changing your heart. And if you don't let him change your heart, then he cannot elevate you to purpose and destiny. But here's this. Now, God gave him the heart of a king, but he did not give him the heart of his king because he knew he wasn't built to withstand the pressure. But he needed Israel to have a king because Israel was demanding a king. And in order for him to maintain his alpha and omega stature and status, he had to provide the king because they would have made some other nation's deity their king. He chose Saul because Saul was everything they fantasized. He was tall. He was taller than everybody in the land. He was built, and he was gorgeous. And to them, carnally, that was their definition of a king's qualification. So God gave him, gave them what they asked for. See, sometimes God will give you what you ask for because he knows that what he needs of you, you don't possess and won't accept. Because, remember, education and training, all of that is about humility. So he goes on, and then they're prophesying. And to prove my point, the prophets are prophesying, and under the sweet anointing of God Almighty, the wickedness of Saul comes up in prophecy. So as they're prophesying, he strips his clothes off. He goes naked. As they're prophesying, he sits down, and he's cussing. So he's interpreting the word of the Lord with vulgarity, with expletives. And that's why you, you said, I don't know how a person can prophet, but can be a prophet and be vulgar. Read Saul. So God had, as far as God's concerned, Saul's an instrument. He's an instrument. And what is he? He's an instrument. He's a cudgel. He's a rod of correction. And he's an example of poor leadership. That's who he is right now. So he goes, and finally they get through it, and they have the coronation, and they're getting ready to coronate him as king. He is so new heart and all, he's unready, unprepared, because nobody cares if he gets it right or wrong. Right. See, when God doesn't tell you to get training, he doesn't care if you get it right or wrong, because he knows the path of excellence. He knows the path of maturity. So he never, Saul never got any training. He went from trying to find some animals to being coronated the first king. He was so afraid, he wouldn't even show up. Well, where is he? Are we, Israel's all excited. We finally got a king. We got us a... a. Where is the king? Where is he? God tells Samuel, hiding among the stuff. He so doesn't want it, and he's got no prototype. He's got no archetype other than the invisible almighty. So he has no pattern for being king, and God doesn't care to give him one. I, I hope you all are hearing this the, with the implications, because see, all of those pastors that told you you just need to get a mic and go run—you don't need to bit anybody to teach you. All of that is fallen flesh. That is a, 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 a that's arrogance. That's hu- that's hubris. That's obnoxious, mm. because God said that he trains everybody. He trained Jesus. I mean, for, for, you going to train Jesus? Isn't he your son? I mean, I'm thinking, he, didn't he grow up in the house? Wasn't he in the fam?
3: <laughs>
1: he trained Jesus. So as we go on, they finally get him, drag him out from the stuff and throw stuff on him because they're doing, listen, his, their, their, his coronation is based on what they learned in Egypt and learned from all the nations. They still don't know how to coronate can They're just... We want a king like all of our, all the other nations to go out before us and to come back and, and lead us in and out. So they did. And it takes Saul two years to want to leave home permanently enough to occupy the capital city. We can presume in those two years he learned something. That's an assumption. Let's assume he gets his first assignment. And in his first assignment, Saul is told to go handle an outstanding contract God has on King Agag. Wipe him out. Don't take anything from him because when I was bringing my people forth, because in the God realm, time doesn't pass.
3: Doesn't
1: Yesterday is today. Today is tomorrow. Tomorrow is last week. That's God realm. So he said, I need you to go do it. Saul, because he's naive, because he's uneducated, he's gullible. And so he goes, and he goes and he wins the war, but he, do, but he doesn't destroy the material. He doesn't destroy the property, the treasury. He brings it all back home, all of that which has been de- dedicated to a God that has been offensive to the Almighty from the beginning. Right. And if that's not enough, he brings the king home. Uh-huh. Who does that? I'm not even trying to be funny. You're going to take a seasoned king and bring him home. But he brought him home because of his ignorance, because of his naivety. He brought Agag back with him because he thought he could get king classes. No,
3: sure.
1: He thought he could have a mentor okay. because he went and picked his mentor. Okay. Samuel wasn't enough. Now, Samuel was running the country, wow. but Samuel wasn't king. You know, he can't know how I feel. He cannot know what it's like to be thrown into a position that nobody's ever had before. And so rather than let Samuel continue to mentor and tutor him, he brought Agag back to teach him how to be king, from a real king, you know. And and they cut an alliance, and Agag pretends to convert to Samuel's world. Now, anybody with a head on their head knows you do not take, no, 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 you don't do that. No, 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 not up close and personal. You do not bring a foreign power into your organization or into your dominion unless you are ready to give that dominion to that foreign power. Because kings are who they are, sovereigns are who they are. And Ahab had every intention of marrying and reproducing children from the sons of Israel. He had every intention to raise up his own family, to raise up his own army, because in, 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 Saul, see, in Saul's world, he, he'd heard about the Almighty, but he didn't believe God is God. He does not believe God has a realm, God has a kingdom, God has, and that all of these deities are in that realm, and they're all vying for his seat. So God had told him to kill Aga. He didn't want to. He didn't want to kill him because I could learn something. Isn't that how we got here? All of our former leaders thought they could learn something by bringing the enemies into our country and giving them a little piece of something, something. Because you you can't outwicker the devil. Honey, let me tell you, that's why Jesus said, be wise as serpents and harmless and dove. He did not say be wise as the dove. He didn't. He said, be wise as serpents. If I want to tame, tame aggression, I'll use a dove. If I want to defeat a aggression, I'll use a serpent. Yeah.
3: <laughs>
1: and so he didn't get it. So what happens? Samuel comes and he starts, so how was the battle? How'd it go? We're good. Did it go, right? man? It was all right? Y'all yeah, got some stuff? Uh, yeah. We won. We won. We won. Right. He said, so why am I hearing the bleeding of, of sheep in, in, in my ear? <laughs> What's that all about? What is that? Yeah, listen. Uh, I, I, I hear it. Why am I hearing this in a military camp? Did you destroy everything? You were supposed to destroy everything. Remember, I told you, you have to destroy everything, destroy the children, everybody, and don't leave anything alive and burn all of the possessions with fire. Is that what you did? Did you do that? No.
2: Well, you know, we got out there. Okay. You really had to be there. Uh-huh. You really had to be there because we got out there, and I'm a businessman. I'm, I'm, I'm a businessman first. I mean, before this whole King thing. I was a businessman. I, was a businessman. And, and I'm, I mean, I know what you said but I'm looking at the quality of these sheep. We can actually increase our financial account in the kingdom by selling all this off, integrating it into our economy. I really think there's a better use for this than just destroying it because that seems a little extreme, maybe a little wasteful. These little sheep didn't do anything. But what about the gold and the silver? What's that all about? Well, I mean, that's for our national treasury. Oh, okay, because you know better than um, Yahweh. I mean, you know, I know the God part is you. That's that's your part, but I, I'm here to run the kingdom and see to it that we don't go broke and that we don't do all those things. I'm not really sure that the Most High understood no. what we can really do here. Mm-hmm. Is that oh, mind. My, my. Who Agad? Uh, <laughs> Am I looking at? Is that Agad?
3: Uh, I bet no. you killed him.
2: No, nah, no, not yet. <laughs> 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 so why didn't you kill him? Didn't God tell you to? Uh, uh, yes, but you know I, I'll get around to that. Okay. I just uh, I he he's so is he sharing your throne? Is that what we're talking about oh, here? No, 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 no. Did no, you no. intend to bring him back to the capital and put? Oh no, 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 no. So why didn't you kill him? Well, see, I I forget never...
1: it. I'll do it myself.
2: <laughs> <laughs> or
1: that. <laughs> <laughs> <I> I'll <him. laughs> kill him myself. You can't do it. And God, Samuel hacked Agag to pieces yeah. because heaven put a hit on him. Yeah. And he said that hit wasn't just on Agag, it was on every seed, every descendant. Now, so all of that. Killing all of his people because back then kings were considered to be the progenitor of the civilians or their citizens. So killing him—that was killing all the side But this man still is alive to reproduce with my daughters, yeah, yeah, in my land. Right,
3: yeah.
1: Now, however way it went, that period for Saul was very, very damaging. It was the turning point that exposed him for what he is, revealed that he was going to be a lousy king, on and on and on. And Saul Saul was horrible. He was horrible because he was trained by yeah.
2: So he's horrible.
1: And the people, are, you know, they're moaning and groaning under him. He is horrible. He's seizing their money. He's overtaxing them. He's stealing, you know, uh, their property. He's, you know, taking whatever their, their possessions are. They can't have a living. He's kind of like communism. Huh? Because see, the Bible works on types and examples. It so said the scriptures are for our example, yes. and there are illustrations, and there are case studies, and there are case stories that work for us today. But you have to have that dimension, that level of leadership and training. So. Now we get down to the point that once this happens, see, you think God chose your replacement the moment. No, no. You fall. No. Once this happened, God said, you know, Saul's not going to obey me. He's going to run my kingdom into the ground. And so I'm not going to do that. Now, he didn't have a good start and setup anyway because, to be honest with you, you know, we've gone, you know, we still got Eli. Mm -hmm. It's true. So everything in the land is corrupt leadership, corrupt government. So he, God is preparing for a day that the, the punishment and the chastening expires and he's got to have a leader. So he said, go and get my, go get me because I can't use him. Go anoint the next king. And so a lot of times your anointment, your anointings that you have, and I say this to you because you should know it, your anointing, there are several anointings, several levels and dimensions of anointing in your life. The first one is awakening. God is awakening you to the fact that you have a call, and from henceforth he's going to deal with you according to that calling. That's the first one. That's so, but, see, most people run on that first one because, you, you know, you got the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you went to a prayer meeting, somebody slinged some oil on you, prophesied to you, and you just, you just ran. No, that first anointing is to drive you to training, oh to drive you to classes. That's the first anointing. But most times we take that first anointing and use it as a stepping stone to ministry. So that's your first one. You're, the next anointing you get and everyone thereafter is elevational, the stages of readiness that you acquire leading to the point or the calling that you're going to fulfill. So we call anointing inauguration. It is not. Your inauguration comes when you're done. Right. The last thing you get is that inaugural anointing. Lay hands on Joshua, for him so he you can take part of your spirit and put it on him, and he can lead my people in your place. So now, so so people are running on anointing mm-hmm. without any intellect, without any faculties, without any exposure, without any building, whatever. They don't even they haven't even had the theory class. You know the theory. That, that David got anointed. And the first thing that anointing did was put him in Saul's world. Y'all didn't catch that. So you see, when you're put into the position of a high person, that's your anointing training. He put him in Saul's world. Oh, somebody didn't catch it. Your first anointing shouldn't have sent you to the pulpit. It shouldn't have sent you to the, to the front lines. It should have sent you To your tutorial place. Put you in Saul's world. So that because you're a peasant, you're in the field, you only know sheep, you only know agriculture, you only know nomadism, you don't know royalty. He put you in that man's. Come on, somebody. You better hit a bell.
3: Hit that Liberty Bell.
1: So the very thing you despise Is where you're supposed to begin Because your calling Was to be He will always put you with the person You will either replace Or you will partner with Always This woman She didn't get a choice Nobody gives her a choice But anyway Yeah you did get a choice Okay Because God Somebody's going to hear me. And the reason was my daughter has been taking care of me since she was 14. She's been working for me since she was 14. So when I made that statement, that's really what I was talking about. But when she went to college, I cut her loose because it had to be her decision. Amen. Had to be her call. She could have left me. I'm not staying with you. I'm not doing it. I want to go live my own life. I would have let her do it. And she'll tell you, I never did it. It came down to her getting her visitation despite coming from me. This woman, we didn't even know her. You know, nobody, I don't even, I look back now at this little kid with this little dust button in her head and whatnot, cute as a little button, smart as a whip. <laughs> and I, I would never have thought this. But God did. And he put her in my house. I'll say, Ben and Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah we didn't think but I caught it. You got, you got it. He put her in my house. And it wasn't all pretty. It wasn't pretty for her. It wasn't pretty for me. Many people don't know that when God puts people in your world like that, it uncovers you. you he, he exposes your nakedness. He exposes your vulnerability. Oh, so you don't brush your teeth three times a day. Oh, so you don't wear your shoes like that. Oh, all your privacy. So. Yeah. Same thing with Norma. So he put her in my house, and this girl from day one, showed that she was called to be with me. Never criticized me. I don't know if she ever did to anybody outside. Never made me feel uncomfortable. Never. Can I say any N-E-V-E-R? Never made me feel uncomfortable. She did. If somebody came against me, she, you know, she's a little miniature warrior, but she's going to rise up anyhow, and she's going to take them on because this is her calling, and she said that. And when she came, I did something. What did I do? I threw my mantle on her. But she, this is her favorite story. This is this is her favorite. She likes to tell this story. Sicily,
2: 1892. All right, we were in the hotel, and now this is, you know, for people who are always hooked on these amazing moments. We were in the hotel, up in this room, smaller than this. Who knew we'd have a room in a building? <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh bless God! Anyway, chief
3: you here, she said. <laughs> you know, she, uh,
2: and she's preaching, and I'm sitting on the side with the team because it was the the church membership consisted of the praise team and maybe two other people. Uh-huh. So it was at that. No, university. and our speaker was this big. Yeah, the speaker was that big, sitting on a little table. Mm-hmm. And she's preaching and throws her her perspiration cloth on my head. <laughs> And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> I know now, what this is an A.G. girl. So I knew the so Bible. I knew the Bible. So I knew the Elijah, Elijah Symbology. And I was like, I still had that thing. And, and she told me, I and said. She said, and I'm not taking it back. And, and I said, and I'm not giving it to you. <laughs> and she never did.
1: Now, I'm going to tell you, and I told her, you're going to do what I do. One day, you're going to be who I am. My daughter, I keep telling you, started having dreams and prophetic experiences when she was, before she was 12. But still, it had to be her calling. Right. She could have left home. See, you have to know where God will always, always place you, where he will raise you, where he will grace you, and he will use you. If you, if you leave your place, you have abdicated your, your future and avoided your destiny. Because you're supposed to stay in your place until God says, "Go," so a lot of us had to stay in a place, and, and He doesn't always put you in sweet places, because see, depending on the, the the severity and the weightiness of your calling, your place will tell you what your calling is. Somebody gonna hear me.
3: Yeah.
1: See, some of y'all. Not so, so you. If you're in easy street, your calling is not going to be challenging. But if you're in a place where every time you turn around, you've got to war, you've got to conquer, you've got to push back, you've got to rise up, you've got to pull up, you've got to pull. If that's your 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 training, it's because that's where you will occupy. You will be that for the Lord because He's called you to be His weight.
3: Yeah.
1: Oh, she didn't know. Huh? Oh, did huh? See. And this woman, I'm telling she's what, what were you, 20? Uh, 21 when I, just
2: turned 21 when
1: I made. Okay, 21. Now, she comes with my daughter. My daughter brought just for everybody. Yeah. She, she was the recruiter. She's still a recruiter. <laughs> Bless her heart. But I'm going to tell you something. I, and, and many a day, when I tell you this, this woman earned her seat, I'm telling you, this woman earned her seat. First of all, I told I fired them all the time.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: they said, but God told me I can't leave. That's rule, that's sign number one, that they're the one. Because they obey God rather than man. Okay? And I want you to know, when I took a hit, they bled. They bled with me. When I went down, they went down. And they did not block their blood. They blotted my blood. When I lost, they went out there to find replacements and to heal they prove themselves worthy of the destiny they have today. Yes. So you can get your butt on your tail and talk about this, not me. And all you're saying is I reject this destiny. Okay. I don't want to pay the cost and I don't want to suffer the loss and I will not be discomforted.
3: Mm.
1: Oh, somebody going to hear me today. Ooh. See, because when it's a real calling, hell can't wear you out. Yeah. When it's a real rip- nobody can tempt you out. You don't take a buyout package. You don't take a sellout package because you are like, and you can have all of the great aspirations you want in your life, but if God put you somewhere, you stay there until he either takes you home or you conquer. Or somebody. (laughs)
3: Let
1: me tell you, this man sent me here. I had two pieces of luggage and a daughter. Man, I love that girl. Yeah, yeah. Two pieces of luggage and a daughter. We were both in. We were like blindsided. <clears throat> we lived in a hotel for three months. Oh
3: my God.
1: We got in a house. We were sitting there. We didn't know what we were going to eat the first couple of weeks. We didn't even know what we were going to eat. And every time, because you know, when it's time for you to get promoted, the devil doubles down, and he ramps up the trial. So he keeps telling you how you're not going to make it. This is not going to happen. This is going to work. Doesn't he do it? And he does it with so many And it was just her because at that time, it's was 1999. People, what, what, mm-mm. and then God raised up people who at least brought us food <laughs> because, baby, we didn't have that. And then we the, the, the house was empty, and all the while, this devil Stayed with me uh, for, for 19 years. He stayed with me, telling me, "You're not going to make it. Uh, this is not God. You're out of the will of God." We went through losing this, losing that, malign character, malign. And you know what? People kept saying, and the devil would come to me and, I, "Why don't you just quit?" Right. I said, "Cause I haven't won yet. Uh, <laughs> I didn't start to lose. I started to win. And until I win." I'm going to be a problem for you because I'm not going anywhere. Damn. And then I'd cry, help me,
3: Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I Everybody, mean, help me, Jesus. God, am I going to be it? Jesus,
1: you're going to make it. Get up. You're going to be fine.
3: Because,
1: see, Jesus can make a winner if you want to win. But he will abandon the loser like he abandoned Saul. You like losing? He will step away. Why don't you just take over? Why don't you just run your house? Why don't you run your life? And we did that. And we went through over and over again. I can't even tell you the horrors of 1999 until we got to about 2017. And I kept saying, but I obeyed God to win, not to flee. To win. And I'm telling you, I learned powers of the spirit. So you think that God can't do it, but there are powers that come from you not quitting. There are powers and there are rewards and there are abilities and capacities so that you get to the point that you can tell the devil, not so, stand down. But you have to earn that, right? Because first you're going to have to start getting up every time he hits you. You have to start pushing back every time he tries you. And you're going to have to start letting him know you are the more excellent property. See, I'm the more excellent material.
3: Yeah. Yes.
1: I knew I was of greatness. I knew it. I know, and, and, and God will help you as long as you fight for it. And I, I, I gladly, I gladly blessed these women, and we have a few more. But I gladly blessed them because they never stopped. They they could have left. They could have quit. They could have gone on and did their whatever their lives were. But you know what? They stayed on the first word. See. See, so people ask me, how do you know? I don't leave the first word. See, the first word, go to Tulsa to set up for me an apostle. That was my assignment. That was my commission. That was my mandate. I hadn't done it. And if I hadn't done it, we wouldn't be here. To, if I had obeyed him, we wouldn't be here today. That's
3: right.
1: I'm here to strengthen you and to let you know what God can do and how he can make happen because I, I stood the test. I went through all of the beatings. I mean, we went through horrible, horrible things in this city because it was to make me strong enough to be able to push back on him. God's got to bulk up your faith. Yes. He's got to muscle up your faith. Yes,
3: true.
1: And you got to want to do it right. See, a lot of people will say, well, I didn't quit. Yeah, but you, you, you perverted. Okay. As far as God's concerned, quitting, perverting, or cussing? Okay. 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 Thank you. It ain't and every time I had a blow, I wrote a book. That was my therapy. Uh, yeah.
3: <laughs> every time
1: I'm telling you we went, we I got put out of so many places where the whether the people decided they didn't want us, they didn't like it, folks didn't have money, money people quit. Did it all, but you know what God said? But you got to be able to beat everything Satan could throw at you in order to rule over him. Amen. You have to earn the right to fight the heavyweight. Yeah. You know the welterweight can't just say, "I think I could beat him." Yeah, you have to beat everybody that's between that he's beaten before you. That's right. And that's what we have to do. You have to earn the right to push back and to be what God wants you to be. I sure hope you all are hearing me today, because this is really what I'm telling you. They said, well, how do you get to be there? I want your anointing, baby. You don't, oh. honey, because if you're going to get my anointing, you're going to get my history, yeah. Yeah. because it was hard, and I would do it again, and you know why? Because I never, ever stopped, because I knew Jesus, Jesus Christ. I knew, number one, he went through it, and number two, he's the greatest God, Amen.
3: so
1: I never did. He's the greatest God, and I never lie on the Holy Ghost. See, you are never going to be used of God if you can't discern what's your lie from God's truth. You can't lie. I don't lie on the Holy Ghost. If I tell you God said it, then you can bank on that. Why? Because he's got 40 years of my life to know that I don't lie on him. I I, I erred in God one time. I did it on the radio, and he embarrassed me terribly, terribly. I was humiliated four weeks, and I never did it again. So when I tell you that this is God, it is. If I, if I don't know it's God, they'll tell you. I won't see it. Yeah. I said, well, I don't know. If I, uh-uh. Give me some time to sleep on this. I got to think on this. And every time I won, you can hear. If you listen to my earlier sermons, you can hear the upgrade in the anointing. My voice changed. The weight changed. My authority changed. My resonance changed. All of those were upgrading of the anointing. Fighting the good fight of faith but fighting to win. I never quit because he told me to start, and he never told me to quit. So if he didn't tell me to quit, it was my job to win. Amen. And I had to keep fighting until I went won, bounce back, till I won, come back again, until I won. I'm still, I mean, and, and, that, and at, at the next level. The next level don't want you up there either. They don't want Them devils don't want you up there either. So I'm still fighting, and I'm like, but y'all need to understand, I outrank you. Oh. Yes. Let me just take a few minutes to show you where I am. I outrank you. See, you will keep quitting as long as you lack your identity. That's right. Because once you lock in on that Christ identity, you realize you are a contender. I'm no longer their target. I'm no longer their play toy. I'm not the little chew toy that your dog. That you, I'm not your chew toy. I've outgrown that. As he is in this world. Reading Colossians, and I think this is so important, reading Colossians one fifteen, this is the passage that Jesus taught me, the first one he ever taught me to learn him. He said, He is the image of the invisible God. Can you all see it? Do I need to make it bigger? A bigger. Okay. Oh, it has to be the older people to need it bigger, I understand. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <She's
1: helping. laughs> there you go. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. All means all. Because by him all things were created, those in the heavens and those on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and, and this is my hot button, for him. God made everything for his firstborn son. Jesus is his baby boy. He's given just like you do with your natural children. So he said, he is, I want you to hear this, he is before all things. (coughs) And in him, all things are held together or consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning. Look at this, the firstborn from the dead, so that in all things he may have the preeminence. For it pleased the, the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and through him to reconcile all things to himself by him. So Jesus is going to get everything that was lost to give it back to his Father.
3: Amen.
1: On earth or things in the heavens, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Now, the first thing I'd like you all to wrap, uh, wrap your head around in this is that Jesus is the firstborn of everything. Mm -hmm. So before God made anything, he gave himself a son. Or he reproduced himself. Mm -hmm. See, that's a little different, isn't it? See, because most of the battles that Jesus has for credibility is that it's it's locked into the three and a half years of his earthly ministry. Mm -hmm. So we don't think he has a before life an afterlife or whatever. We don't think about that. Like you barely really hear people ask, well, so what was Jesus doing before he came to earth? Well, he was ruling everything because when you read in Micah, it says his going forth have been from of old. So he's been coming back and forth into this earth realm as sovereign, as supreme being and leader so that he can keep it from self-destructing because he's got all these devils that want to destroy it. So that's the first thing. Daniel talks about him in Daniel 7 being the son of man who was traveling throughout God's creation. Mm -hmm. See, the problem you have with Jesus is that you don't know he pre-existed. Now, in the beginning was the word, doesn't mean anything. (laughs) Isn't that right? In the beginning was the word. I want you to hear this because you're not serving a guy. (laughs) <laughs> who came into existence by being born of a virgin. You're serving a God who transported himself and made firm his spaceship. Yes. Who broke the time-space continuum to get into the womb of a woman.
3: Yes.
1: No other deity can say that. Every other deity was born from sex in some way. Or morphed from those ancient deities to now, They all were That's why everything about them is sex God comes And since Jesus at uh, John 1 12, 11 and 12 And he said he was born of what? Born of what? Born of a virgin But he was also born of not, He was not born of the flesh Nor was he born of the will of man Meaning he wasn't born of sex He wasn't born of human means. But he was what? Born of God. And so that's what he wants you to get. That is what this is all about. This issue that we're fighting, that every other religion makes it about the flesh, is actually an issue that began in eternity. And so Jesus coming to earth after he had banished Satan to earth all these years is actually bringing bringing the battle to earth. And then after that, He's bringing, he dies to take the battle to hell. Because that's where Satan's trophies were. Uh, If he didn't die, he wouldn't have any humanity. Because according to Scripture, only three people bypassed hell. Everybody else went to hell. So he's the first one over creation. And God, by him, by him, that means through the medium or instrumentality of his only begotten son, because he remained only until he rose from the dead. He's the only begotten son of God until he rises from the dead. And then after that, he becomes the firstborn over many brethren. Mm -hmm. He becomes the what? first begotten son. Mm -hmm. He's now the template. He's now the archetype. He's now the prototype. See, this is important because you can't fight for a God that you think is weak. And if you lock it into his three and a half years, do you know what, what that means? That means that as far as you're concerned, the cross ended it all. Right. Yes. Right. Because in your mind, it was all about the cross, but it's not. We The resurrection, Like we, you understand that Satan needed um, Easter, <laughs> he needed that because that was, he died, and he rose, and that's it. But God's blessing is Pentecost, when he sent literally gazillions of spirits to the planet to embody his children and to give them power over all things. So then, And he tells you, so all things are made by him. So look at this those things in the heavens and on earth, visible, which is what we see, and invisible. And then he tells you thrones or dominions or rulers, all authority. So when he says all authority is given unto me, he's saying I own this, I rule this, and I begot you for you to help me restore this to my dad. The church is not about whether or not you light candles and stuff. The church is 100% about the body of Jesus Christ, the body of corporeal people who are expressing and exercising and exhibiting his authority in the earth realm. So we go to our favorite passage. But anyhow, now look at this. It says, he is before all things. He's the head of the body. He is the beginning. He is the firstborn from the dead so that in, in him, that all the fullness shall dwell, and through him to reconcile all things to himself. So Jesus reconciles everything between God and his creation by using, by putting himself in the middle. Oh, this man. And he said, whether there's things on earth or in the heavens, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Now, I, I have several classes that I teach on this, but I'm not going to do it now. But what is, the, what is, the, what is our favorite phrase? As he is, so are we As he
3: is, so are we in this world.
1: Now I just told I just read in Colossians what he is. Oh see they didn't catch me. I'm a I'm a <laughs> so hit it's something else. I just read to you what he is.
3: Uh,
1: none of that talked about just doing church. We need to have church. We need to have gatherings. But that's how t- all of that talked about what we inherited. When he said heirs of God, this is, this is what he's talking about. Firstborn from the dead. Jesus was born again in the heart of the earth. People don't realize that born again didn't begin on earth. Born again began in hell because Jesus was in hell. Remember, three days and three nights. In the heart of the earth, he was in hell, and so he's born again in hell. Oh, somebody, I got to, maybe i use a cowbell. <laughs>
3: there ain't
1: no cowbell. I get excited, and I want to snap you out of your your stayed waiting to get to heaven Christianity. This thing is about the powers of God literally spreading itself, disseminating itself through the, World of sin and darkness. God's like, I got a son for that. I've got a daughter for that. I've got a child for that. I got an offspring for that. He, we are like, baby, we're more, we're more effective and efficient to God than the apps we rely on every day. We are the apps. Yeah. We're the apps. Your gift. Your talents, your trials, your tribulations, your wins, your losses, your mind, your faculties, all of that is for God to, mm, yeah,
3: yeah. Yeah. as he is. So, Where?
1: So now let's look at some of what that is. Let's, let We can do some of that. Is that okay? Okay. Okay, now we said it once, God's love has reached its, look at this, God's love has reached its goal in us. So we look ahead with confidence (laughs) to judgment. Can you all see this? Because I'm going to make sure we can get it in there. Okay, is that good? All right. While we are in this world, we are exactly like him with regard to love. We are exactly like him. God's love flipped our hatred so that now when we touch lives, they don't die, they don't disappear, they don't disintegrate, they are empowered, they are restored, they're revived, they're quickened. And sometimes we do it with a soft hand and sometimes we do it with a tough hand, but all of it is to the end that God's goal in that life comes alive. This is how love has been perfected among us. We will have confidence on the day of judgment. Now look at this one. During our time in this world we are just like him. By this spiritual dwelling we are as he is in this world. I I, I really just rejoice in God. So that we may be without fear on the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. So I want you to see this. Mm. Now And and look at this one. Just look at the yellow. All that Jesus is and all that Jesus now is, so are we in this world. Just as he is, so also are we in this world. I love this. When I started looking at it, I was like, ooh, Jesus. All right? And then as he is, even so are we in this world. Am I right? Yeah, I'm there. And then what does he say here? It went backwards. Hold on, guys. Just said okay, let me get the, oh, maybe that's over. Is that it? Okay. Let's see if we can get it here. Let's get it up. It's just probably too big for that. So I will read it aloud. I can do that. Number six, our love attains perfection. Hold on, guys. I'm trying to get it to show it right. Is this right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. In this way, our love is complete. And I think that's the last one. Is that it? So let's just look at the list because I do have a list. All that Jesus now is, so are we. Just as he is, so are we. Identity, key to destiny. Because just what he is. Because here in this world, We are living as he did. In this world, we are exactly like him. During our time in this world, we are just like him. So where do we get this passive Christianity? Where do we get that? Well, if I had to take a guess, I would have to take a guess and say that Jesus' enemy is always trying to neutralize his children and nullify Their new birth The new birth Put Jesus inside us Put the Holy Ghost inside us That we can be exactly As he is So let's look at some of the things That that entails We are his Express image and glory Now when he said Let us make man in our image And according to our likeness That's what we were before the fall. By the time we get down to Noah, we are just in his image. We're no longer like him. Because of the new birth, we pick up that image and likeness. That's as he is, is likeness. That's what he's saying. Okay? So who is he? He is holy. He is God's first begotten. He is born from above. We are Christ. We are his. As he is, so are we. He is the light. He is pure. He is righteous. We are him. He is truth. And he is God's way of life. Amen. So we have a lot to work on because, see, we want to think about, well, as he is, so are we for signs and wonders and whatever. But we are also Judgment. We are his justice. Yeah. We are his purity. You understand, we are the life. The one that people miss, the commodity that Jesus brought to the planet, is life. It was lifeless. It was, it, it was populated on the premise of what Genesis described as the earth before God said, let there be. We, it was without form, and it was void, and darkness was on the place of the deep. So what Satan brought was darkness and put that gross darkness on people.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So Jesus comes, and, you know, Paul says something about him. I want to say Titus, but it's either Titus or First Timothy. He said, but Jesus brought light and immortality to light. It's Timothy, right? He brought light and immortality Isn't that something? That's what what the cross is. The cross is to slaughter Satan's product and to embed in his place or install in his place what is Jesus Christ, how God made Christ. So we're listening to people talk about, well, you know, I mean, it's terrible to be a Christian. Why is Satan working so hard? Why Why is that? Because it must be awful to be a Christian He's not talking about it's terrible to be Muslim He's not talking about it's terrible to be Buddhist He's not talking about it's terrible to be Hindu He's not talking about it's terrible to be pagan It's not terrible to be um, sorcerers Or witches But it's terrible to be a Christian I think thou protest too much uh-huh. And thank you for letting us know We are the top
3: uh-huh.
1: We are it uh-huh. Oh, I'm, I'm, I don't know about you But I'm telling you Hallelujah That is what I mean. And that came through prophets and apostles, not evangelists, pastors, or teachers. He neutralized the two mantles that could bring you into the power and the power source and force of our dominion. Because when you look at it, I can take, it, take you to it. Luke 24. Are you all okay? Yeah. Is y'all so
3: quiet? <laughs> But
1: I want you to see this because this is the other thing that he gave me to set me free. Colossians is my my favorite one about Jesus Christ because everything you need to know about him, I read in those few verses. Is that right? right. Everything you need to know about him, I read in those few verses. Can I say a few? Because sometimes you're like, well, I I mean, the Bible is big. No, no. No, no. That was pretty clear firstborn of career his whole history i gotta get this these thin pages i got i got it <laughs> i got it all right twenty three I want you to go with me to luke twenty four forty four because you know we think about um what's right in God and whatever the church hasn't been in divine order for a long time. I don't think that the church in America ever came forth in divine order which is why we're stuck now and so we'd like to read this one this is the story of Jesus revealing himself as the resurrected Christ and so um, 44 after he's walked and they saw him and he's eaten fish and eaten before them and showed them that he's not an angel or a spirit it says, and he said unto them, this is what every church should be teaching you right now so that you'll understand. Colossians and this, they pair. He said unto them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which are written, and listen to this, which are written in the law of Moses. Now, didn't they tell you the law is no good? Didn't they tell you that? See, that's wrong in the law of Moses and the prophets. Let me tell you prophets are not for now and today. Okay? And the Psalms concerning me. When you read the Bible and you learn these, he canonized himself. He canonized his own scripture. So we have an earthly canon and we've got eternity's canon. And he canonized his own scripture his own Bible for us going forward because he knew that we were going to end up with all this written down and the, the, the wisdoms and the this and the that. And whatever. No, no. And then what he didn't canonize here, you read the Gospels, and he validates and corroborates what? Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Isaiah, Abel. Didn't he do it? And Zephaniah, Hosea. So he's telling you that the prophets are how he did everything until he came to earth and rose from the dead. The prophets. And many Christians, we're so busy teaching that because, you know, church is scared of prophets because you're going to be telling them what they did last night. So, <laughs> so what did he do? His, this is good. He canonized the prophets, but not, very few people in the church know He came to earth as a prophet. Mm -hmm. And he actually embodied mortal flesh so that he could live out everything that was prophesied concerning him. Mm -hmm. He came to earth as a prophet. And I don't care what the devil said. I don't care how many people did whatever. Devils don't die for their people. (laughs) You know, Jesus died for sheep. Devils don't die for goats. And they don't die because why? Okay, here's we're wrapping it up. Here's the last question: Why don't devils die for their people? Huh? They're already dead. They're already dead. dead. How you gonna die again? So, because remember, we meet Satan. He's he's in the swamp. He's dead. So they cannot. I don't care how much they lie to you about. It, they can't die for something or anybody because they already died for their own selfish ambition.
3: Oh
1: oh That's why. They, but why did you? You got nothing. You got your one death. Even devils get one. You know, because you cannot see. Here's what you should understand. You cannot bring a spirit, a spiritual being, back from the dead. That was died. That was. Killed or who died because of sin. Sin's a killer. Righteousness is a resurrector, a restorer, a reviver. So when you start listening to all of these tales about this and what you already did, I mean, every time he show, even if he shows up in a physical form, he's borrowing it. He can't stay in that form. He got to borrow those bodies. Y'all still living on me? Yeah.
3: Amen. No.
1: I need you to understand because if we're supposed to be as he is in this world, this is what he shares. This is how he wills souls. This is how he obliterates lies. He uses the truth. And what is the truth? The truth is that Jesus Christ is before all things. Before there was an angel, there was a Jesus.
3: Yeah,
1: right. Isn't that something? Yeah. Before there was an angel, there was a Jesus. So angels can't tell you about Jesus unless he reveals it. And even they had to earn their their place. I'm like, because, you know, how do I know that? Ephesians 3.10, that to the intent that what the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to where? In the heavenly places. Well, you know it wasn't those that are in the sanctuary, and you know that it wasn't those that are still fighting for him. So who is he talking about? He's talking about fallen angels who are occupying the planet, that lower strata. I think all angels, to be honest, because they said angels decide to look at the gospel. So all angels. So they they didn't even know. They don't have a clue. You understand angels are prophetic, and I can talk about that when I do our prophetic roundtable, but I want you to know that you cannot stand in this faith if you do not have the right wisdom, the right answers, and the right solutions. You're going to have to be able to say that. Why am I making a big deal about as he is, so are we in this world? Because we need to know that if he's the archetype and if he's the prototype, then guess what? We need to be this. So we, need, so we shouldn't be arguing about holiness. Why are we arguing about holiness? That's like arguing about support. Really. Who the I want to argue about my pores? You know, I don't think your pores are what they should be. I really think your pores, no. Mm-mm. You should do something about those pores, okay? Okay. Exactly. And that's the same, though. I'm trying to make it in. I'm trying to stay
3: safe.
1: I'm not trying to stay safe. I have stopped. In the beginning, my salvation was a verb. It's now a now, and it's more than a verb. It is existence. I exist as he is. In this way. I exist I exist I don't I'm not trying to be don't you try to act like you said baby I if I have to act like I'm saved I'm still lost
3: because
1: <laughs> acting Amen. means you lost <laughs> all right I exist and I need you to that's why we're doing this that's why I'm staying on this I want you to understand there are a lot of temptations you don't have to have when you understand and you move over from trying to existing you still. a lot of y'all still trying out your salvation I'm trying to make it in. My mind is not on trial. I exist as he is. I breathe what he gives me. I live everything. And he breathes in me. Sometimes I say, "Ooh, Jesus, that's wonderful, Lord, thank you. I exist, which means we are all part of the family of God. But they have already been through what they're helping us come through. They've already been through what they're helping us come to. I exist. We exist. We have to stop attempting to be saved. We are stop trying to, trying to be saved. I'm trying to act saved. I'm, I don't. I don't. This, I am his and he is mine. And he said him in us passes us from death to life and changes us and brings us from glory to glory. But we don't know what that looks like. We've read it, but nobody gave us the attributes. Nobody really spelled out. I'm spelled out here attributes so that the attributes means that you can now perform them. Your attributes, if, you, if one of your attributes is six I look at her, look at them gorgeous eyes. That's an attribute. That's very different. She doesn't have to act like that. All right? Very, very different. Because, and you need to take, you have to understand that there are attributes to our redemption. Mm-hmm. Salvation is a mechanism. But the existence is the redeemed of the the Lord. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. How we doing? How y'all doing, social media people? How y'all doing? You all right? Y'all rolling with me? Are we keeping up? Because when you when you know that you are you exist as something, then you then living it isn't hard. Being it comes easy. I exist as an offspring of the Godhead. I exist as one born of incorruptible seed, the incorruptible seed. of tr- I exist in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. I exist in the family tree. I exist. You cannot tell. You tell a tree, you're an apple tree, but I'm going to cut you down because you didn't grow oranges. <laughs> you weren't an orchard. You understand? Exist. And you can't do it without these teachings that build the Christ in you. Because he's in you. He's just in you as a seed. We'll see, you know. Some of us he hasn't gone too far from the day we said the sinner's prayer, but we're going to change that, aren't we?
2: Yes.
1: As he is. So
2: are we. Where? In this world. All
1: right. God bless you. I want you to keep that concept, keep that consciousness, and say it every day. I say it every day. I am filled with the fullness of God bodily. I am an offspring of the Godhead. You can't touch this because I am above and not beneath. I'm seated in heavenly places. By Jesus Christ, Uh, I am a member of the celestial royal priesthood of Jesus Christ. I am a citizen of God's holy nation. I am of the royal priesthood. I am. We have a problem with it, but guess what? If we don't become like I am, we won't. God bless you. Hey, see you Sunday, uh, 8 o'clock with Sunday School Prophet. Angela Powers, who is just going to eat this up. I just I pray for y'all. Yeah. <laughs> Angela Powers for Sunday School. And play this. Share it. Share, 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 share. And share it with all your friends, all of the Christians who keep trying to make it in, and especially to those who like to lay their salvation down as if they could. Mm-hmm. And so share it with everybody. And don't ever make that statement again. Those of you who use that statement, take that out of your, your whole vocabulary. And so would don't forget, I've given you bunches of spiritual. You need to sow materially. Why? Because heaven works on exchanges. And if you can thrive and prosper off of what I've delivered, I ought to thrive and prosper off of what you've acquired. God bless you. See you next time. Think differently so you can live powerfully. God bless. Woo-hoo. Woo-hoo. If I ever find anybody who will write my emails, I will send them to you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going to send
0: you the party keyboard. Too. I'm waiting. I'm you waiting. need a party keyboard lesson. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com.
2: It's my little escape.
0: Now Judy's the life of the party.
2: Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon.
0: Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BW. Void Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.